Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Hi, I'm Tori, and I'll be reading today's scripture. It is from Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. One religious leader asked Jesus the question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honour your father and mother. The man replied, I have obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, We have left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone in heaven who has given up a house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Today I want to talk about a guy named Marty Sampson. And if you haven't heard of Marty Sampson before... That's okay, not everybody has. But he made news headlines earlier last year with a very interesting quote. He said, I've got tears running down my face because it's so true. I adore you, Christians. I love you so much. That's all. It was amazing being one of you, but I'm not anymore. And the reason Marty made headlines by saying that is Marty was a worship leader and a songwriter for Hillsong Church in Sydney. And he's come out saying that he is no longer a Christian. And people started to ask him questions of, Marty, why has this come to this point? You know, you were writing songs for people. You were famous. You were obviously taken care of financially. You were influencing the kingdom in in magnificent and huge and wonderful ways. Why have you decided that you're not a Christian anymore. And his response was, it's just not real to me anymore. It's just not real to me anymore. And you know what? Marty Sampson represents a whole heap of people that we're seeing in our world today who are renouncing their faith in Jesus and are taking off that label of a Christian. We see it with authors like Joshua Harris as well. And many, many people who aren't famous are starting to say, you know what, I'm not a Christian anymore. And I honestly believe that we are facing in the church an epidemic probably unlike we've ever seen before. You know, obviously with COVID-19, we know the word pandemic and, you know, people are getting sick and uh, each day there seems to be more and more and more numbers of people who, who are positive for coronavirus. And we say, you know what, this is a pandemic. We need to put uh, things in place and we need to take action to make sure that this doesn't spread. 
But in the church, we see the same thing. Every time the census in Australia happens, we see less and less people identifying as Christians, less and less people attending church. And somehow we don't really seem to take it as seriously as we should, because within the church, there is an epidemic right now of people giving it away, taking their faith with Jesus and putting it to the side because it's just not real. It's just not genuine for them anymore. So why is this happening? You know, I I firmly believe that everybody is responsible for their own faith in Jesus. I firmly believe that. However, we have to look at the influential factors around us. And I think one of the most influential factors in people giving away their faith in Jesus because it's not genuine is Sunday faith. So what is Sunday faith? Sunday faith is the convenient and inconsistent expression of faith which is determined by external factors differing from person to person. That's a mouthful. So let me explain it this way. Imagine in life everything that you held dear, everything you put your trust in, and everything you put your time into was stored inside a backpack. And every day you woke up to an empty backpack and when you open it up, you get to choose what you're going to put inside that backpack. And that backpack is determining how you're going to spend your time, where your heart and your thoughts and your mind is going to be that day. Now, obviously, as Christians, we look and we go, okay, the first thing that's going to go into my backpack is faith. Faith is a huge part of my life, and in it goes. But something maybe we don't anticipate is faith takes up a whole heap of backpack space. And then we look at everything else that we we have as part of our lives, and we have to figure out what's going to go in the backpack alongside faith. Now, we put in things like family, which is important. I love families. We look around and we go, okay, work. You know, work's really important. That's how I bring money in for my family and support my family. So work's going to go into the backpack. Friends and and Netflix and sport. And that sport piece is, is sometimes a little bit bigger for some than others. And then we put in ATAR and our schooling and our university. And before we realize it, the backpack is so full that we can't shut it anymore because we can only put in a certain amount a day. And more often than not, and with Sunday faith, Sunday faith, people get the faith part and they take it out and they start filling it with all the other stuff and things like pain, uh, unforgiveness, resentment, depression, anxiety, and all the things that take up our head and our heart space end up filling up that backpack and faith is sitting off to the side, not even getting a second look. Now, it's important for me to acknowledge <laughs> this is not Sunday faith. By putting your backpack and your, the things that you hold dear in your life, filling them with, with pain and mental illness and Netflix and schooling and work and not giving faith a second look, that's not Sunday faith. That's just somebody who's decided, you know what, I don't see it as valuable to include Jesus in my life. And we know many people in our world who are like that. That's not Sunday faith. When it becomes Sunday faith is when we have that backpack and it's full of all the stuff for Monday to Saturday. And then Saturday night we realize, oh man, it's church tomorrow. I, get, I need to sort out my backpack. 
So what we do is we start taking out pain and we start taking out Netflix and we start taking out school and ATAR and mental illness and then we put faith back in, pride of place, and we zip it up ready for church in the morning. And then when we go to church in the morning, we we turn up and, and we need everybody to know that we have faith in our backpack, in our backpack of life. And, you know, when we have mental illness and pain and Netflix in there, the backpack stays zipped up. But with Sunday faith, when we take everything out and we put faith in there, whether it be for Sunday church or for life group or maybe having a coffee with a friend from church, we like to make sure that that faith element is shown. You know, sometimes we can be going through depression and we turn up to church and people say, how are you going? I'm doing so well. Thank you for asking. And we're not. Oh, how's the family? They're wonderful. And maybe your family is falling apart and your marriage is falling apart. And we throw out all these beautiful cliches like, you know, how's the Lord been revealing himself to you through his word today? And I've been on four missions trips already this year and it's only February. You know, we have these, these ways of life where, you know, all the things that we usually have in our backpack get taken out for Sunday. And then on Sunday, we, we show off this faith. And then when Sunday church is finished, like we go home and we quickly kick off our church pants and, and we take faith back out of our backpack and we fill it back up with Netflix and, and Sunday lunch and, um, and, and depression and anxiety and all the things that usually take up our head and heart space get back in the backpack and faith sits off to the side. You see, that is Sunday faith. And here's my my really big problem with Sunday faith is that it's, it's massively influential. You know, we talk about people in the world who have deciding not to follow Jesus. You know, so many people, not just for themselves, they look at people around them, particularly those in the church, and they see how real is it for them because everyone wants this faith in Jesus to be genuine, to be real, not to be false. But when people look around and they see Sunday faith, they see that faith which is, which is convenient for, for Sundays and life groups and coffee catch-ups, but not for any other time in life. It's so influential and people make decisions on their own faith in Jesus based on the reality of seeing other people follow Jesus. You know, and here's something that's really challenging is that we can't treat Jesus as optional. Because if we treat Jesus as optional, we cannot, we have no right to be surprised when the next generation treats Jesus as unnecessary. Let me say that again. If we treat Jesus as optional, we can't be surprised and we have no right to be surprised when the next generation treats him as unnecessary. It's a challenging thought. So Sunday faith, what is it? In a nutshell, it's fugazi. And what's fugazi? Fugazi is a a cultural term in African-American culture, and it means counterfeit. It's not just fake. It's not just um, not entirely genuine. It's counterfeit. Because counterfeit, when something is made as a counterfeit, it's designed to fool people. You know, you don't live a Sunday faith and then five years down the track go, you know what? I think I'm living Sunday faith. That's not how it works. If you're living Sunday faith, you know you're living Sunday faith. You know that you put on this mask to, to go to church and to, to play the part and to look like the, the, the model Christian and take it off again on Monday. It's fugazi, it's fake, and it's dangerous, and it's influencing a whole heap of people to see that following Jesus 
just isn't real. And that's why we're seeing this epidemic in the church of so many people saying, you know what, it's not real and not just for me, but for others as well. And I wish that I, would, I could say, you know what, this is a new problem in the church because new problems can be stamped out quite quickly. They're not so deeply embedded in, in Christian culture. But this isn't. This isn't a whole new thing. This is something that's been happening for a long, long time. And we look through Scripture and you can see countless examples of people who live Sunday faith, which is fake, which isn't genuine which is missing the simplicity of the gospel. And we're going to look at one of those right now. So open up to Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 30, and read with me. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honour your mother and father. The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. You see, most people read this verse and think this is just about money, not having money. And you know what? That's definitely there. But I think there is more to be seen in this piece of scripture than we see on the surface. You see, this guy, this religious leader, this rich man, he exampled three characteristics of Sunday faith. And we're going to look at those three characteristics of Sunday faith and then show an alternative of what Jesus says we should live like. Now, I know I've talked a little bit already. And I'm not going to have these three points as points. They're going to be three thoughts. Thoughts are shorter. So let's look at those three things. The first thing is the man exampled leadership faith. You see, he was a religious leader and he came to Jesus. He had influence. He had power. He had authority. This was the guy that when you wanted to know how to inherit eternal life, when you wanted to see, you know, what does it mean to live for the kingdom? What does it mean to follow God? This was the guy you went to. This was the guy that you would look at his life and say, you know what? I'm going to model my life on his. He's a religious leader. But he knew that he missed the simplicity of the gospel. He'd missed what was going on. You know, he had influence and he had power and he had authority and he had the example of, of what it meant to follow the law and the commandments. But he knew something was missing. There was this peace in his heart that was missing and he knew that he wasn't living for God the way that he should be. 
You know, in chapter 18, before this piece of scripture, we see there's a series of parables and Jesus has some poignant lines. At the start of chapter 18 is the parable of the persistent widow and Jesus finishes off that parable by saying this, But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And then after that is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector and Jesus finishes with this, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will Will be exalted. And then right after that, he goes into blessing the children, and the children come to him. And Jesus finishes by saying this I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. You see, this man wasn't humble. He didn't have that faith, and he didn't have a childlike faith for sure. And then he's, you know, Jesus is famous by this time. Jesus has been going around and teaching and and talking about the kingdom and what does it mean to follow him. And every single time Jesus talks is about the simplicity of following him and coming to him and giving yourself away and dying to yourself. And this man's living a life that's complicated. So many rules and regulations. He's living the part. He, He knows all the answers, but he knows that he's missed the simplicity of the gospel. And he knows that he's missing something. And so when Jesus comes to his region, he sees his opportunity to run to Jesus, to go and meet him face to face and ask that question, how do I receive eternal life? You know, it reminds me of the great man, John Wesley, who's the starter of the Methodist movement. And when he was a a Christian, he went to America. He was an English man. He went to America on a missions trip to mission to, uh, to the Indian people. And whilst he was there, he was leading studies and he was preaching and running services. And so many people were saved. So many Indians came to a faith in Jesus. And on the way back from America, back to England, John Wesley wrote in his diary this poignant line. He says, I came to convert the Indians, but oh, who will convert me? You see, John knew that there was something missing in his heart. And you know what? He hadn't actually given himself over to the simplicity of the gospel, which he did later in life. But you know what this says to me? Is you can be a pastor. You can be a teacher. You can be um, someone who knows the scriptures backwards and front. You can be a small group leader. You can go on 50 missions trips a year. You can be, you know, being a youth leader and a kids leader and serving in the blessed collective and, and reaching out into your community. And they're all wonderful things and make, you know, God uses those things like he did with John Wesley. But the reality is they won't save you in and of themselves They won't save you. They're an outworking of the faith we already have in Jesus. Leadership comes from our faith, not the other way around. The second thing we can see is that the man was living out of good faith. You see, he comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. And he uses that phrase with Jesus, good teacher, good rabbi. And Jesus responds in this really interesting way. He says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. But to answer your question, and you know what? When I read that, I think, Jesus, that's a little bit attitude-y. You know, it's like when you're, you know, someone you're talking to and, you know, you ask a question and there might be some little incorrect part of the question, but it's not the, the crux of the question. You know, it's like when you say, that's a beautiful orange flower, isn't it? And someone responds with, that's not orange. That's actually tangerine sunset. Or when you say, someone says, how are you going today? And you go, I'm good. You go, ah, actually, no one's good. Not even one. Romans tells us that. 
you know. And when you're in that space, you're like, okay, calm down. That's not what I was trying to say, you know. And this man, this rich man is coming to Jesus with this deep-seated concern. You know, I'm assuming this is keeping him up at night. There's this hole in his heart and he's coming to Jesus saying, what must I do to receive eternal life? What must I do to be a Christian and, and, and to be with you forever? And Jesus responds with not really answering the question. You know, why do you call me good? No one's good. Only God's good. But to answer your question, you know, Jesus isn't being attitude here. here. Not, he's not being a smart aleck. Jesus is actually partially answering his question. You see, the man we know lived as a religious leader. He played the part. You know, he looked good. For anyone looking at this man would go, this is a good man. And when people tell you enough something, you start to believe it. So he's like, you know what? I am pretty good. I keep the commandments. I, I do what I'm meant to do. I'm, I'm pretty good, right? But Jesus just cuts it off right there. He draws a line in the sand and he goes, you know what? There is no one good. Not only are you living in leadership faith, but you're living in good faith. You can't be good enough to go and say, you know what, I've been good enough, therefore I can be uh, with God for eternity. The scripture tells us that our good deeds are just like dirty rags to God. And that's what Jesus is communicating here. Let's just first and foremost get that off the table. You're not good. Only God is good. So if you want to know how to inherit eternal life, it's not by being good. And the last thing... Excuse me. The last thing that the man uh, lives in this Sunday faith is busy faith. And busy faith is extremely, extremely dangerous because busy faith lets you think, I'm actually doing pretty well. Like, I'm really good at this faith business. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the best Christian I know. You know, busy faith is this. It's missions trips. It's leading in, in youth ministry and leading in, in kids' ministry, serving with the Blessed Collective. It's uh, doing your studies and, and reading your workbooks and making sure you're reading a certain amount of Scripture a day, leading prayer times, uh, ministry leadership, being a pastor, preaching, cooking for people, mowing lawns, going to church. This is all busy faith. Now, let me, let me make it really clear. Those things aren't bad things. They're wonderful things. But there is a massive difference between busy faith and obedient faith. You see, those things in obedient faith are an outworking of the change God's already done in our heart. And that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I encourage you to do those things. But if you're doing those things, not out of a heart for what God's putting you, but you're doing those things to see yourself approved to God or to people or even to yourself, that's busy faith. And busy faith is, is really dangerous. So even though this man, this rich man, was, was a man of influence and power and authority and he was a leader of men and he kept all the commandments and he lived according to the law and ticked all the socially appropriate boxes, he knew he was still lacking and he knew that he was living out of Sunday faith. And we know that he was living this way because, you know what, Jesus all through scripture is not afraid to call people out on their lies. But when this man says, hey, I've, I've obeyed the commandments, I've, I've, you know, I've not committed adultery, I honor my parents, I, you know, I don't steal, I don't testify falsely, Jesus doesn't correct him. Which leads me to believe that he's telling the truth. 
And you can tell the truth in, you know, I do missions, I do small groups, I do studies, I, I lead youth group, I, I'm a preacher, I cook for people who need meals and I, I mow the lawns at the church and I do all these things, you know, that's, that's well and good. But then them in and of itself is Sunday faith if it's not connected to what God's already done in your heart. So we can't live in Sunday faith. Sunday faith is not genuine it's not real. It's fugazi. It's counterfeit. And we know it. But Jesus gives us some direction here. He talks to the rich man and he says that instead of living out of Sunday faith, I want you to live out of Monday faith. And Monday faith is a really interesting thing. And it's very different to Sunday faith in a lot of big ways. The main way is this. Sunday faith asks what and how questions. Did you notice that when the man came to Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's looking for a map. What are the boxes I have to check? How do I go about doing the things that are going to see me approved to you and to the community to receive eternal life? Sunday faith is what and how questions. But Monday faith is a who question. And Jesus responds with the who. And he says this, he says, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ads, you just told us that Monday faith was a who question. Jesus clearly responds with a what and a how. The man wants to know how to receive eternal life and Jesus gives him a roadmap. He gives him directions. He says, sell all your things and give the money to the poor. That's a what and a how ads. But you know what? We have to keep reading. Jesus says, then come follow me. You see, Jesus isn't saying if you sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, you'll receive eternal life. He's saying if you follow me, you'll receive eternal life. And for this man in particular... The money was a barrier between him following Jesus and not. And I wonder what are those barriers in our life? What are the things in our lives that we know, you know, stop us from following Jesus 100%? They're the things that God's saying to you, get rid of them, destroy them, sell them, use them for, give them to somebody else who's going to use them. But for you, what I want for you is to get rid of the barrier and follow me. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? It's discipleship. It's, it's living exactly like Jesus. You know, we talk about discipleship all the time within church circles. And, you know, these days it's, you know, I'm catching up for a coffee once a month with someone, therefore I'm discipling them. But that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is, is like a 13-year-old boy who's decided they want to follow a rabbi and goes to that rabbi and says, I can live like you, I can walk like you, I can talk like you, I can sleep like you, I can be a mirror image of you. And that's what Jesus is wanting from us, to follow in his footsteps, to walk like him, to talk like him, to speak like him, to love like him, to live like him, to, to teach like him, to give ourselves away like him. That's what it means to live Monday faith. And Monday, I know I use the term Monday faith, and that doesn't mean obviously Tuesday we can go back to Netflix and pain, but you know, Monday faith faith is indicative of, of every day. This is 
every day of the year for the rest of our lives to be a living sacrifice, to give ourselves away, to die to ourselves for Jesus and to be like him, to serve his mission at all times, not just on Sundays. You know, there's this beautiful Jewish proverb, which I love, and it says this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And it sounds kind of weird and it sounds a bit, bit, bit dirty, but it's actually so beautiful. You know, obviously in the day where people would go from place to place and there'd be dust on the roads and, you know, those who would get the dustiest from their rabbi were the ones that were following closer. That's what it means for us to live Monday faith, to live every day for Jesus, is to be covered in the dust of Jesus. Let his characteristics become our characteristics. Let his words become our words. Let us look exactly like him every day for the rest of our lives. You know, I'm not saying that you can't feel pain and there can't be times of depression and anxiousness which God wants to heal in you. But I'm saying never let that faith part come out of your backpack. Let it always be the core of who you are. The foundation is Jesus and our faith is built on that forever, for the rest of eternity. That's who we are now. That's our, that's our being. That's our identity. You know, Galatians 2.20 says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, when I read this verse, I don't read that someone saying, you know what, following Jesus is a part-time deal. Following Jesus is maybe when you're feeling good enough to. This is paramount importance. You know, we die to ourselves and we give ourselves away for the kingdom. We are a living sacrifice forever. You know, I'm a pastor and, you know, yes, it's my job to be a pastor and I get paid, which is just a blessing, but that's because I did it for so many years not getting paid. This is my heart. This is my life. You know, it's easy for someone to look and go, well, of course, pastors are going to be passionate about the gospel all the time. That's what they do for a living. Well, it's our life and it should be everyone's life. Whether you're a nurse or a laborer or a teacher or you go to university or school or whether you're unemployed or retired, this should be of paramount importance to you. This is your eternity. This is other people's eternity we're talking about. This is the most important message we can give each other is that following Jesus is not just a Sunday thing, but it's our life now. We give ourselves away for God. I love that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. We die to ourselves like we saw in the Ephesians series. We're dead to ourselves. We put on the new self. This is our new identity now, forever, every day. And when we live that Monday faith, it's real. It's genuine. You know, everyone in the world who doesn't follow Jesus looks at Christianity and they want to know the answer to just one question. Is it real? Is it genuine? And often we are the answer to that. So let's live real and genuine Monday faith lives for Jesus. Let's turn the tide of this epidemic and let's see our whole hearts and our whole lives dedicated to our King. You know, so often we we say the phrase, let's be a light in our community. And that's awesome. We should be. 
But my prayer today for me, for you watching, for Follow Church, for our region, for our shire, is this. Let us be filthy with the dust of Jesus. Let us look so much like him that we forget what our old selves used to look like. Let's take on his character, his compassion, his love, his mercy, his dedication, his sacrifice, his submission, his whole character, and live for Jesus with every moment for eternity. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for the revelation that you've brought out through your word. Lord, if there are barriers in our lives that are stopping us from living for you, I ask that you would highlight them to us. I ask that that you would show us how to live like you, that we would fall in love with you over and over and over again. And as we read the word, God, that you would just jump off the page and tell us new and wonderful things about ourselves, but about you as well. Lord, let us dedicate our lives to you wholly and fully and live Monday faith lives. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Have an awesome week, a Monday faith week. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.